TheChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always. Always. Use your head. You are now listening to ChairShot Radio. Always use your head. Thursday, you know what that means. Time for head trauma on Chair Shot Radio. Oh, my missus hates that sound. We've been watching uh, a program called Superstore on Netflix. It's yeah, you got your guys will know it. But there's a character on there called Bo, and he does it all the time. And yeah, Mrs. Mags can't. Fucking stand it. She hates it. You should not have told me that because every time I see her or talk to her, I <laughs> make sure I make that noise. And I am still proud to say we have the most awkward int- most, most awkward awkward entrance of all of the shows on Shot Radio. But nonetheless, you are listening to your boy, Rancid, a.k.a. Ray Cash. Of course, you heard the big fish himself, Mags, over there. Um, yes, Thursday. Uh, we're trying to bring you some of that good content. So first and foremost, let's get the business out the way. Um, if you are listening to this or you're not, or you're just a normal human being who likes to wear clothes, go to ProWrestleTees.com slash TheChairShot and buy some clothes. Help your boy get new stuff. Ray needs a new pair of something. Speaking of that, let me introduce my uh, esteemed panel because we have guests today. And one of those guests actually has on the Outsider's Edge hashtag journalism shirt. Um, so... You know, when they when you need help and you and you need to do some interesting stuff, you go to your family. And you I go to your blood. Bring my two brothers. You go to your blood. You go to your familia. <laughs> and uh, I've I've been lucky enough to have my brothers come on with me. I have from the Outsiders Edge. I have Coda to my Kenny. I have Mr. Kyle Morris with me. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for having me this week. And the talent. In the Ricky and Clive wrestling show. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to hear about this. Trust me. Mr. Clive himself. What's up, my brother? Well, I wore this T-shirt with tonight in mind. And then you hit me with the, the, that um, air raid, that siren thing, that bloody meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Just took me back to Joaquin Wild pre-Phantasma um, days. And shout out to the man recently become a father. Congratulations, but that fucking siren was horrendous. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> well, so first and foremost, Mags, how you doing? You guys, how's it going today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, glad to have two guests who actually turn up when they say they're going to, rather than feed as uh, an excuse from the Rolodex of Billy Bullshit excuses. Shout out to Paul Tully. Uh, but yeah, excited to do this. I'm telling you, we're going to fly to Wales and walk <laughs> through the Walmart that is the country of Wales. So if 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 the if the country of Wales is about the size of a large Walmart, Walmart or an IKEA or a Bucky's if you're from Texas, then does that make Cardiff like the size of like the sporting goods aisle? <laughs> or would it be the grocery? <laughs> or would it be the grocery side? It's the parking lot, Cardiff. The parking lot of Wales. Listen, I, I'm not here for the tallest lander. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, because that's one of his only two ever Welsh people that he's known. <laughs> Hashtag give Tolly a chance. I'm going to get it. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Now the Welsh can agree with everyone on one very important thing, and Clive is with us on this one. Fuck the English. Yeah, and I'm fully English, and I say that as well. We do not do ourselves any favours. Luckily, hey, but our... I live very close to the Scottish border, so I can yeah. just uh, I can just pop over and claim to be one of my Scottish brethren. Hey, well, shout out to the black country. <laughs> oh, I'm closer to Scotland than I am to the fucking black country. <laughs> It's all the same thing to Rance. He don't know. He's close yeah, to you know, he's... my country. Is it really? I, I would believe that, actually. And I'm a history and geography buff, but I would believe that if you told me. Um, so, yeah, some shit happened this week, huh? All mm-hmm. kinds of shit went down. That was the show of the Royal Rumble. Yeah, man. Um, I know we're here for a, for a specific particular reason, pronunciation, uh, but I want to get y'all's quick Rumble thoughts. What y'all think? What, what, what do you think... Uh, how do you think the show went? Takeaways from it? Anything that caught your eye? Yeah, go ahead. I think for the go most ahead. part, it was one of those shows where obviously one or two might be a bit dodgy, but the booking, the the decisions for who won pleased a lot of the hardcore fan base. Mm-hmm. So from that regard, I think it was a success. There wasn't any match on the show that was just a dud. I even found myself emotionally invested in the Drew McIntyre Goldberg stuff because it was just it went straight away and I thought shit here we go so I was pretty invested throughout the whole night really good matches, the women's match was fantastic one of the best rumbles I've seen like both genders in a long long time so a thoroughly satisfied WWE Network subscriber here yeah I've got to echo a lot of what uh, Clabbert said um, I, I was I was very panicky that we were going to either get Bill Goldberg leaving with a towel or leaving pointing to a WrestleMania sign but even his match was perfectly well done um, it, it lasted five six minutes, he got in his moves he did the job clean um, the, the the women's Royal Rumble I've got to agree with, with Clive again that was arguably one of the best Royal Rumbles ever. And I think both Royal Rumbles were so well-paced. The people coming in were at the right time. Uh, enough people got uh, the shine. The, the surprises that came back were spot on. Uh, two really good uh, uh, results for me. Bianca Bell, obviously, she's a, a massive, massive star and absolutely deserves it. In. And the, the feel-good moment of Edge coming back, staying away from uh, his feud with Randy and hopefully going to, to face the big dog. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a happy bunny. I appreciated that Goldberg went on first so that I could very quickly get past the part that I didn't care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, you knew it was going to be quick because his entrance is always longer than his match. So, like, all right, cool. Let's get through these, like, th- let's get through this next five minutes and then we're going to be done with this bullshit. Um, but I think that the... The thing I want to highlight is that they laid the groundwork starting with the Royal Rumble and then into Monday Night Raw to solving a problem that they've been trying to solve since Rey Mysterio quit being full-time. Y'all, they're making their next Latino star. 
All they had to do was put Priest with uh, Bad Bunny. And if y'all don't think that instantly made Damian Priest the new Latino star, then y'all don't know shit about Latino music because Bad Bunny's a big fucking deal. <laughs> oh, the Bad Bunny talk will be had on The Outsider's Edge every Friday on... Oh, uh, we'll talk about that on our show for sure. I just wanted to say that the big takeaway was like they have laid the groundwork of making Damian Priest the new Latin star that they've been trying to make for a decade now. (laughs) My God, he yeah, he was put over huge Sunday and Monday, um, and is you know was a Puerto Rican, definitely a colorful, bilingual, badass, six foot seven, six foot eight, legit, um. Legit has legit baby of all five members. You didn't know. Um, and how about to WWE for giving my boy Johnny Drip Drip a good angle with the celebrity? Let him get that shine. Uh, did y'all how how did y'all feel about that fantastic? Um, uh, Two count. That's one of the best false finishes I've ever seen in my life when Goldberg hit the jackhammer. Because I know everybody at home was like, oh my god! That was so close. Yeah. That was beautifully done. Absolutely. Um, and I, I like the way I like the way that uh, Drew over-rotated on purpose because he, uh, he's clearly watched The Undertaker uh, match and thought he's not giving me concussion today. I'd rather take it on my back than take it on my skull. Mm. Um, flat back in this myself. <laughs> um, quick takeaways. Um, Tribal Chief and Kevin Owens, Lord have mercy, what a match! Oh, my god, I've seen some oh, people down god. on it, but that was a fantastic match. They did it really well. I couldn't get into it mostly because I hate last man standing matches, like it is my <laughs> yeah. least favorite gimmick. Because for me, last man standing gimmick more than any other gimmick match takes me out of my zone of like. Suspended disbelief. Yep, that's sure. fair enough. And 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 to be it, fair, it, the, Paul, it, the Paul Heyman spot with trying to get the unlock yeah. the, the handcuffs took you out of that. Yeah. Oh, for I, sure. It, it got a lot of grief on online because of the uh, the uh, golf cart bit. Uh, all the AW stands were were out in force saying, "Oh, this is this Everything has been done better has by been AW. done before." Everything has been done before, y'all. It's 2021. Wrestling yeah. is a 200 year old medium. Everything's been done. But but my instant take watching it live was not that. Uh, oh, this is a, a a copy of what happened at AW. It was, it was, it, was, it reminded me of Rikishi running over Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's what the callback was. You've got uh, Roman Reigns, the Samoan Rikishi, that link, and then you've got uh, Kevin Owens Rikishi, with his the actual stunner. cousin. Yeah, exactly. That that was the link that I got straight to it. And yeah, but uh, AEW stands gonna stand. Or or what about what about Roman almost getting hit by Eric Rowan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So the match of the night, though, obviously, was the women's rumble. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like by a country mile. And I think it's fitting to bring her up before we get to our kind of topic for today. Um, Victoria was back in a WWE ring, and it made me feel all kinds of good. Yes. 
Yes, I've been calling for her to get one last run in the WWE since forever. I think she announced that she was retiring a couple of years ago and she wanted one last run and WWE just totally blanked her. But yeah, it was called for her to, to get back in there. I wish they'd have like paid for the rights to tattoo, but like I'll take Nicki Minaj. It made me feel good, but it let me definitely let me know I don't need to see her wrestle ever again. Like she's been walking on that fucked up knee for like fifteen years. Go get your surgery. Do you know what made me feel good in a sort of non PG way? Oh, oh, it down in your loins, huh? Something I'm looking forward to. Yes, let's get the toxic masculinity on board. What I'm looking forward to going forward from after the Women's Rumble is for Gillian Hall to bring out her only Clive's account and get that active <laughs> online. That's a uh, Billy and Jilly. Billy and Jilly doing a show just for Clive. Time, oh. time out. Time out. Of all of the ones you could have talked about, I mean, Tony Storm was looking thicker than dried bacon grease, and you gonna come to me Rance, and talk about Jillian Hall? Rance, consider the source. This is perfectly on brand for Clive. Yeah, I know. Matt Clive. <laughs> dead eyes. That's all it is. That's all I need. Dead eyes. <laughs> but she didn't have the mole, Clive. She needed the mole. Well, I, the bookman ate the COVID already. So I want to give my I want to give a shout out to Santana Garrett and Rhea Ripley for my favorite elimination in a long time. Like that was a great sequence where Santana did the full splits, like she had stopped some shit, and oh. then Rhea just kicked her right in the fuck. That was that was great. that was some good. There were some really good eliminations and false eliminations in that entire rumble, like yeah. the shit with um, the shit with um, Rhea, Bianca and Bianca. The shit with the shit with Rhea and and uh, Bianca at the end, like I don't know you, I don't know you. Same time, same time. That was fantastic. Man, was I wish a- Billy mm-hmm. Kay could. I wish Billy Kay was just a little teeny tiny bit better in the ring because that gimmick is so fucking money, so fucking money. She's great. Who was it that was pulling at um, Bianca's pleat again to stay in the rumble? Naomi. That was great, that bit. I loved it. I like when her pleat is involved in a, a plot device. I love the fact that you call it a pleat. That brings me so much joy. <laughs> <laughs> it brings me so much joy. <laughs> um, so, and shout out to Edge. Again, we'll, 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 we all have a million different shows. Um, you'll hear Ricky and Clive. Uh, if not to... If tomorrow, well, today when you're listening to this, because you know it's Thursday, wink, wink. Um, I'm sure one of Darren's 17 shows will talk about the rumble. We're gonna talk about it on the edge. Um, so I don't really want to want to bury the lead too much on this particular show because we have an actual segment for you guys. For so <laughs> for once, right? We're actually prepared. Um, with the, with the idea of Darren's. A great idea of Badlands. We we're kind of using that and gonna do a few lists for you guys. But this actually came from the warped and wonderful mind of Kyle. We were talking about um, some really good women storylines and thinking, well, damn, let's do the top five best women's storylines of all of the times. And so all four of us gentlemen here today are here to kind of break down those storylines for you. I am sure that we all have the same top two, 
The rest of them ought to be interesting to figure out. So how you want to do this, Max? You want to do it, everybody say five, then everybody say four, then everybody say three, or you do your five and Kyle does his five and so on and so forth. I don't think it'll be as interesting if we're all talking in huge blocks. So I think, uh, yeah, definitely taking it by um, by picks, I suppose. But man, I haven't actually numbered. I've just got five. Uh, I mean, I suppose the numbers doesn't really matter. But yeah, man, are all of equal importance in my eyes. But yeah, let's go. I have one honorable pick. mention. I have one honorable mention that I want to get off before. Um, okay, so get your honorable mentions off, and then we'll go. We'll make an order. Go ahead. All right, I'll do um, my. I want to give an honorable mention to this is an old TNA storyline: the beautiful people versus the voodoo queen Roxy Laveau. God damn, you uh, take it back, Roxy it, Laveau. It's an old story, but we were talking about fun women's storylines, and this was at a time that was like the kind of the height of the divas divas era where the ring rate in WWE for women's wrestling was not very good. And here comes TNA and, like, the rise of the knockouts division. And they had this story. This story was so old, it started before Angelina and Velvet were the beautiful people. They were just Velvet Angelina Productions. Um, and they were feuding with Roxy Laveau. She was... Um, she was kind of aligning herself with the New Age Outlaws who were calling themselves the Voodoo Kin Mafia at the time because VKM, we got to take shots at Vinnie Mac because reasons. Um, and so this storyline was important because in a lot of ways it laid the groundwork for what would become the beautiful people because the whole point of the story was Velvet and Angelina hating on Roxy because Roxy wasn't as conventionally pretty and playing mind games with her like, oh, we can give you a makeover. We can do this for you. We can try to help you. And then they put a bag over her head and then the beautiful people is born and the rest is kind of history. Good shape. Mm-hmm. Live, go ahead and give me your honorable mention. Well, this rivalry spans merely a matter of weeks, and you might start to guess where I'm going with this one, Rance. Matter of weeks, and it concluded in a very fiery match on NXT. It was. <laughs> <laughs> in Ozzy, you, this man is going to use and bring up this match every chance he gets. I love it. It's Asuka and Nikki Cross, which. Uh, culminated in a last woman standing match. Just two off their head personalities, a danger to them that you don't know what they're going to do next, what they're going to say next. And that really came across in the backstage brawls that they had and the blow off match title. Yeah, title on the line. Yeah, title was on the line. And this was at the time when Nikki was still part of Sanity. So, like, she was the like actual batshit insane, was just her gimmick. Yep. Uh, not the sort of happy, happy bat shit insane, bat shit insane that she is now, but then she was just straight out Here. of the asylum. Just, oh. Yeah. Uh, and for a match that was put together in a matter of weeks, uh, sorry, a build that was only a matter of weeks, it was just so hate-filled and angry and ferocious. There's power bombs onto chairs. Uh, off back, off but, of the apron. I know, it was just in the culmination of yeah. the superplex off the ladder. Very replayable yeah, gift. Yeah, through the announce table. Uh-huh. 
Oh, I love that match. That's that was that's one of those things that makes me love NXT. Just those fuck this, let's batter each other, senseless. Love that. And I want to give one giant. Um, when when I want to give one giant honorable honor mention to TNA, because while TNA was kind of the catalyst for better women's wrestling in North America, on the western side of the world. I didn't pick any of their storylines because I I'm I more remember matches than stories. But I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that they are the ones that got it right initially. Um and I gave it credence initially. So I don't want to bear that lead. to do so and continued to do so throughout their existence. Like they mm-hmm. still put a very large premium on their women. They made Tessa their world champion when she was hot before she like threw her career away with the toxicity. Like they yeah. have always from the like beginning of the knockouts era said, we're going to make the women a huge part of our program. We're going to make them integral to our company and you're going to know who the fuck they are. So let's do this. Let's, if, you, if it's okay with you, Max, let's let our guests go first, okay? Yeah, I'm happy with that. I want you. Okay, so um, let's go Kyle, Clive, Max, and me, and we'll stop at four, take a break, and then come back and finish the rest. That sound good? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm here for it. All right, let's go. All right, my number five is Trish Stratus versus Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. Oh, now, yes. I know that this, I know that the feud ends with a really disgusting attitude era toxic masculinity slop match, but the story itself of like Trish coming between Stephanie and Vince and using her sex appeal to further her career at a time when she wasn't really a great wrestler yet and using it to get herself over. And then Stephanie using the fact that she was kind of running the show at that point to, you know, just make Trish's life miserable. That was at a time when the women were part of the show, but not a big part of the show. That shit got like forefront TV time every night for weeks, and it was good shit. Yeah, and and it was aiming for the for the demographic that uh, WWE wanted at that time, and it and it landed hard. It got massive numbers, mm-hmm. and it played a major part of a major um, WrestleMania match because that that feud was involved in the Vince Shane match at WrestleMania 17. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it my turn? Sorry, the Skype was playing up there. So if we're going from, um, not worst, but fifth best to best, the first one I'm going for is one that was a wee bit controversial. It was China versus Ivory towards the tail end of, I believe, 2000, Mm -hmm. where China was adored by many, in wrestling and in some magazines as well, but a certain outfit did not take kindly to the specific magazine in question. That being Playboy, obviously, right to censor. Uh, a stable way ahead of its time, if you ask me. They, they were so... I mean, everyone was getting cheered and booed very loudly back in the days. 
or the attitude era. But right to censor stood out for me. The the anti anti hedonism of it all <laughs> struck a chord and for Ivory, it was always Steve Richards or the other guys that were getting the, the matches, but for Ivory to have her own angle alongside China, it stood out and it was quite shocking. I think China actually got injured from that spike pile driver that she took from Alton, is that correct? Yeah. And I know the, the rivalry played out a bit stop-start because China was injured again and it fizzled out towards the end. I think they ended at WrestleMania. But just the shock factor of right to censor being so against sex but pro violence it was the the um audacity not not audacity hypocrisy of it i remember thinking at the time that stands out a lot so that's my pick for number five and and it was all a dig at the the ptc weren't it the parents television council for for that mm. the complaints they had made about wwe Every, everything the parent teacher council was uh telling vince he was taking it and putting it into the right to censor. Just a genius way to kind of poke fun back at the people that's bitching about your product that's getting eight, nine million viewers a, a week. It's a great, another great pick. Um, on to man, and, and this, the the one I'm putting in, in fifth, essentially, is, is the one that, that I actually thought of first when we when we uh, come up with this topic, and it's uh, I want to take you back to WrestleMania twenty, um, two thousand and four, when we had a card that had twelve matches, uh, but uh, originally that card was only meant to have eleven matches, uh, and only one of those was a women's match, the uh, the Playboy Evening Gown match, uh, which was uh, Tori Wilson, uh, Sable, Miss Jackie, and Stacey Keebler. Um, and the current uh, women's champion at that time was Molly Holly, uh, and she was not at all slated to even be on on the show. Um, and for for months and months, she kind of like uh, petitioned Vince to to be able to be on the show, and, and he's like, "Nope, we're only having one women's match." Um, so she believed in the women's division so much, and she believed that she had some uh, that the women had more to offer. Uh, that she actually volunteered to have a head shaved to make sure that the the women's towel got on that card. Uh, so she went with Vince to with this um, with this idea of having her head shaved a couple of uh, days before the event, and straight away it was like, yeah, absolutely, uh, we're going to let you do it. Uh, and he then gave her the option of who she wanted to wrestle, uh, and knowing that she's going to get a head shaved, and she went with. Uh, someone who we've mentioned earlier, one of, someone who was pretty much out. I felt like she was out of place at that period for how good she was at wrestling compared to what kind of wrestling the WWE was putting out. She went with Victoria, uh, and they did a, an interview uh, with um, someone called uh, DS Shin uh, for an episode of a show called Ring the Bell. Um, and Molly said, um, so I was the champion and the writers told me that there was only one room for, for one girls match at WrestleMania and they were going to do the, a pillow fight or a dressing gown thing with the Divas. And I was like, what? I'm the champion. I don't even get to uh, defend my title at WrestleMania. Um, I was really devastated. So I thought I've got to come up with something that makes them change their minds. So I actually put on a bowl cap had some photos taken and made a booklet with a bunch of different storylines that could go either way with me showing my head getting shaved. And I presented it to Stephanie, 
who uh, took it to some of the riders, and then they came back to her a couple of days later and said, right, we're going to let you have your head shaved at WrestleMania. And then they asked me, um, uh, who do you want to wrestle? And she said, the, the only person who has uh, uh, an awesome attitude and works super hard like me, Victoria. So, yeah, my first one is Molly Holly uh, petitioning Vince to uh, to get on the, the card at WrestleMania 20. Bald Molly was a badass. Mm-hmm. I don't think Molly Holly gets enough credit for her time in WWE. Agreed. I've done. Uh, uh, I've got some research for an upcoming episode of Badlands, and we, we're going on about uh, the best women of past, present, and future. And looking into Molly Holly, the stuff that she actually did for women's wrestling. I mean, she paid for Beth Phoenix's training uh, when Beth <laughs> Phoenix couldn't afford to train at all, and she actually paid for her to go and train and and got her in the in the WWE. Yeah, she she's an absolute star and a, a real bastion of women's wrestling. I love that pick because it it illuminates something that was massively important that's understated at the time, and that is that that generation of women wanted to wrestle, and yeah. they just weren't given the situation or the situations or the time. And she was so willing and so believed so much in that division that she said, "I'll do whatever it takes to get us showcased, even if it's five minutes." So yeah, I love that pick. Well, th- yeah, I think the the match actually went about six seven minutes. But the match, the match, the match was so pigeonholed that when Kurt Angle was making his entrance, she's still getting her haircut. <laughs> but that also shows why those were the two women that needed to do it. Because if there are two women who are good enough workers that they could squeeze an entire match that told a story into six minutes, Molly and Victoria. Mm-hmm. So my number five, I guarantee you none of you have, and I guarantee you all of you are going to groan initially when you hear it. But let me explain. Um, I liked Kyle's idea of picking the beautiful people and Roxy Laveau because of the bullying aspect. Well, the greatest bullying story I've seen in my lifetime from a woman's perspective is Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss. That story was beautiful to me and touched me in a way that a lot of women's stories haven't touched me. Because of the fact that we see Mean Girls all the time, but there has, uh, with the exception of Awesome Kong, there has not been a woman to the to the physical size of Nia Jax. And yes, you got Asia Kong, you have some women, but like Nia Jax is a legit six foot four, six foot five, three hundred plus pounds, right? And so, what I loved about the story was that everybody knew Nia could just squash Alexa like a bug. But she couldn't because she was so mentally and physics, mentally and emotionally shook by what Alexa was doing to her that she that she couldn't even find a way to physically get her hands on her. It's the old adage of if I can't physically beat them, piss them off enough where, you know, they can't control themselves. And I got them. It, I thought it was a beautifully made story. Um, I thought the the. <laughs> Alexa Bliss's moment of blisses that the, the little segments where she was t- talking about the things Nia would do um, mm. to make Nia seem like the bad guy were genius and hilarious at the time. And most importantly, it ended the correct way at WrestleMania with the right person getting the right moment. Um, but that that story, the match was not terrible. It was actually one of Nia's better matches. Um it really meant something and it to was me. so long ago, and she's not improved. So long ago, it was three years ago. 
No, it's not so much that she's not improved. The problem is she has the same problem now that she had then, which is that she's reckless yeah. with her opponents. She's clumsy. I don't think she, she... She's definitely not dangerous in terms of she tries to hurt people. No! She's clumsy. She's clumsy. Yeah, yeah. she's not hurting people on purpose. Yeah, you're right. Clumsy is a better word for it, because she's not doing it on purpose. But, like, yeah, she's she doesn't do a good enough job for as much... Bi- because she's so much bigger than her opponents. Yeah, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't do a good enough job of protecting them. One of she, the big things people always say about Big Show and Mark Henry... And some of the other, Yokozuna in the documentary, you know, some of these big super heavyweights is to be an effective super, you have to be light as a feather. Mm-hmm. And and one thing about Naya that you just hit on, Clive, is that she doesn't know her own strength. And simultaneously, I don't think she's that strong. Probably not. But compared to the women who are wasting. Oh, my God. Women. Yeah. Alexa can lift. Alexa can lift 225. Naya can live to 25, right? Alexa, two Alexas, two and a half Alexas is 225. But anyway, just for those of you who are groaning and when you're listening to this, go back and watch a synopsis of this storyline. And I guarantee you, especially with some hindsight, you'll think about it a lot differently now than you may have then. It's a really good story. You wouldn't get any groans from myself. It was one I had considered, to be honest. Um, it was different and that it was primarily like half of maybe more than half of the wrestling storylines are through bullying but this one was front and center this is a a bullying storyline and at the end of the day it's going to be a you can stamp out the bullies if you just stand up for yourself so i I did appreciate that was that made someone's list and it's important to note that just only the people only the only people who are bullied aren't people who look weird or smaller or can't fight back Sometimes the biggest, roughest, toughest people are the ones who are bullied because they're that. Bullies have bullies have no face or no name. They could be anybody. I thought that was important to know too. Um, but yeah, so just think about that. But uh, we're back to you, Kyle. Go ahead. Um, so my number four pick, um, Rance, you brought her up in the last segment when you were talking about the Naya versus Alexa story. My number four pick is Gail Kim versus Awesome Kong. Um, I figured that would be on there somewhere. I just couldn't. I couldn't remember the story, but I know the so, matches deserve. So here, but the the matches were in a lot of ways the story because what the story was is Gale had finally become the champion, and this was at the time when Gale had left WWE because it was the Divas era, and she wanted to work with women who could work in a place where she was going to get twenty minutes to have matches. So like, she finally gets the title. She's reached this mountaintop. All of a sudden, here the fuck has arrived Awesome Kong. And she had um, Rish- uh, Cheerleader Rashida- Melissa. Yeah, Cheerleader Melissa. I Whatever her name was. Saeed. I want to say it was Rashida Saeed at the time. But yes, um, Kong comes out of nowhere, this big, unstoppable monster. And... The storyline was they both wanted at each other. Kong wants the title. Kim's got the title. And Kim is not fixing to be intimidated by Kong's size. So the story was that they would both jump each other backstage all the fucking time. Constantly. They just would jump each other backstage out of fucking nowhere. And it was so badass seeing little, in comparison, little Gale just taking it to Kong and getting hardcore with it 
week after week after week until management was finally in a position where they were forced to finally throw them in matches together. And then once they put them in actual matches together, whoo, oh, the chemistry between those two women in the ring was so, like, beautiful. And the stories they were telling at a time when women's wrestling didn't get the time to do that was so important. And so I got to give the flowers to Gail Kim and Awesome Kong. I have to admit ignorance when it comes to a lot of the TNA storylines. And I know TNA have had a very strong women's division for some time, but this is a rivalry I'm well aware of. And I and I have a very strong dislike of Gail Kim. But even I can acknowledge this shit was fire. Well, Gail Kim and TNA was fire. And, and longtime Edge listeners will know, Rance and I will never advocate for going out of your way to watch anything from Impact. But the full no. Gail Kim Awesome Kong match is on YouTube, on the Impact YouTube channel. It is worth 25 minutes of your time. Damn straight. Damn straight. Well, I'm going to actually jump in and, and, and go ahead of Clav for my pick, because my pick is actually Gail Kim as well. Um, so I'm going to rub it in in uh, the salt in Rance's wounds. But I haven't actually gone for a particular Gail Kim storyline. I've gone for pretty much a Gail Kim herself. The fact that uh, when she came to WWE... Um, they, they never, ever ran vignettes for women wrestlers at all. They were never kind of like promotion. And she got those kind of Matrix-style vignettes, came into uh, the WWE. Uh, I think it was actually Jim Ross who really kind of like pushed for her to get there. Won the title in, in her first ever match. But Vince didn't see her as a, a champion because, obviously, Asian. Uh, she, he, he's, he's, he just doesn't know how to book him. Uh, so less well, than an attitude eight- era Vince only cared about him and Kevin Sullivan. Or not Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Kevin uh, Dunn. Yeah, yeah, him and Kevin Dunn and fucking um, Russo only cared about long-haired blondes with double D-sized boobs. <laughs> and that was it. If yeah. you weren't a, a double deed blonde, they had no use for you. Yeah, so going back to Gail Kim then, after winning the title in the first match, 18 months later, she got cut. Uh, had a little bit of a stint on the Indies, popped up in TNA, uh, uh, as Carl mentioned, was massive in kickstarting that uh, kind of focus on elevating women's wrestling in TNA. First ever TNA knockouts champion. I think she won it seven times all the way throughout of her career. Yeah, for a long time, um, she was part of fucking Planet Jarrett. Yeah. So um, she made such a big impact with TNA, uh, pun intended, uh, that WWE actually wanted her back. <laughs> and I, th- I think she went back because she felt like there was some unfinished business that she didn't kind of get the the maybe the push that she deserved. And she didn't get it the second time as well, uh, to the point where she actually was told to uh, make sure she was eliminated in a battle royal within like a minute. So she just literally jumped over the ropes, left and and uh, got a, uh, rolled out a contract, went back to TNA, was a massive, massive star again. And I think she was the first uh, female entrant in the TNA Hall of Fame. So, yeah, breaking a little bit from tradition in terms of storyline, but yeah, I think uh, Gail Kim definitely deserves a shout for for her whole career, more than more than just one particular storyline. Rance will be happy with that one. <laughs> He's going to edit that out. <laughs> it's already gone. 
Go ahead, Clive. So, the, my sort of third, fourth, third, and second are intermingling, so I've not decided on an official order. So, just bear that in mind for my next three picks. But this one, I'm going to go with Trish and Lita. Um, a lot can be said about Trish and Lita, but what people need to remember is before all the, the all the attention was on them, they came into WWE as valets for sex appeal mainly with Trish and for sex appeal and being that exciting dynamic valet for the Hardy Boys. So they, Rios actually I was going to say, yeah, she was really with S.A. Rios first. Another match that I'll never tire of mentioning in podcast is Eddie Guerrero versus S.A. Rios at Backlash 2000. In fact, go. It's important to remember Lita was with S.A. Rios first because that's the entire reason she did the Flying Hurricane Rana and the Moon Song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, Lita was one of Godfather's hoes. Victoria so, was one of Godfather's hoes. Was she? Oh, yeah. A lot that of the debut. A lot of the women mm-hmm. back then, before they were officially in the system, when they were still in developmental and being used as extras, that's what a lot of them ended up being. Were some of the Godfather's hoes. So, so for those two women to be basically there for sex appeal. And to break through that barrier and be taken seriously for the wrestling, especially Trish, who trained hard and got better as time went on, mm-hmm. for them to not only break the barrier, but be sought after so, so, so much by fans to see them for the likes of headline um, main event Raws, be it WrestleMania. And they went on to have a very storied rivalry and friendship together that it's important that they're brought up. I'm sure they're probably on someone else's list tonight, but they need to be brought into the conversation because this was definitely in a time where women's wrestling was not taken seriously very much so. So for them to escape the, that cage and grab that brass ring, much kudos to the pair of them. Solid pick again. And I think it, I think it goes to show that the depth of how good women's storylines have been over the past 10-15 years, that essentially the rock and stone cold of women's wrestling is mm-hmm. number four on Brian's list and quite frankly isn't even on mine. And I think that's a positive thing to think about. I will always love that feud because I, little 12 year old Kyle was at the Raw in Charlotte in 2002 that was main evented by Trish versus Lita for the women's title. And I will never forget that. Nice. Is that when she is that when she broke herself in half? Yes, oh. that was the night she broke herself in half. The Chris Jericho was GM for the night because of whatever storyline that had had happened recently, where like each member of whatever team he was on got to be GM for a week. Um, but yeah, I will never forget that because I grew up poor folk, and I will always remember my childhood wrestling shows. Okay, so um, I'm trying to get some information on the one on my next uh, pick. Um, Are you on the phone to them just now? Yeah, I just called <laughs> them. You know, yeah, we had a good conversation. Um, well, you know, I'm, the, you know, I'm doing the poly, uh, the Paul Tully trick where you come off the call, <laughs> research your answer, then come back. <laughs> I'm not that That's... bad, bro. I'm not that bad. 
Um, but no, um, I my number the reason the the reason why is because I wanted to give you all of the title defenses of Oscar in NXT. Oscar's undefeated streak in NXT is my number four. Mm-hmm. And um, now a big part of the reason why I put her whole her whole undefeated streak and there's the many matches or the many stories she had in her streak is because that's the greatest streak in the history of tele- of American wrestling. Yep. She usurped Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, with she with actual been, numbers, yeah, by the way. She was, as opposed she was to publicly congratulated by Big Bill as well. Yes. Yeah, yes. Her, her actual streak really was that many matches. They didn't have to pump her shit up like WCW did with Goldberg. Yeah, counting house show matches and shit, yeah. Um, but she, and, and there are so many classic views. First and foremost, her and Bailey when she won the title first. If you remember the match of Takeover Dallas? She choked Bailey out. She didn't like Bailey didn't give up. She choked her out. Um, and Bailey had a rematch. That was a great thing. They went to, um, they uh went to. Didn't she fight? Um, oh, this was um, in her whole debut. She fought Emma and um. London, sorry, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, that place by the Black Country. Um, <laughs> Thank God. But then you have the greatest women's match in terms of wrestling wise, I think I've ever seen, and that's her versus Ember Moon. Um, you have that feud. You have the feud that got Mickey James a, a second career with her, Mickey James in Toronto. So many classic matches. You have the uh, Fatal Four Way she had with the Iconics. And Nikki Cross, and then you have my brother Clyde's favorite women's match ever, <laughs> Nikki yep. and uh, Nikki and Oscar. But and then what I loved about her is something that that she hasn't been allowed to do, with the exception of the Kabuki Warriors time on the main roster. She showed so much character growth for a character that doesn't speak English, because if you remember, by the time she started getting to the Ember Moon, um, Mickey James matches. She was starting to cheat. She was sitting at, at the side of the pool with her glasses on, like I'm better than everybody. You know, uh, she had to barely beat, she had to sneak by Mickey James, even though she molded through everybody. Poor Deanna Perazzo will forever be remembered in the history of NXT as the girl who got fucking kicked and knocked the fuck out by Oscar. And she's Impact's women's champion, you know? But that's how that's how much of a beast Oscar was. And I'd be remiss. Because Oscar does not get enough credit on Al Gore's internet. And I be damned if she's not going to get credit on this show. Oscar is one of the greatest professional wrestlers, not women's wrestlers, professional wrestlers in the history of this damn business. And she deserves to be given her flowers. And um, I need to make sure I, I've, the only power I got is I'm in front of this microphone. Shout out to Oscar. And that undefeated streak is one of the greatest. What was it? Three hundred and some odd days. Five hundred and ten days as champion. Uh, the streak was actually nine hundred and fourteen days. And there you go. And and there it is. And it wouldn't have even been that if Vince had his way, because he wanted to call her up pretty much as soon as she'd landed in in NXT. And and Trip said, 
absolutely not. She's the anchor of this brand. Uh, she is irreplaceable. And that's one of the few times Trips has actually stood up to Vince and said, no, you're not taking one of the talents because we need her. Yep. I think she's been one of the the MVPs of the COVID era as well. Yes. She's been quiet recently, I suppose, but spring, summer, she made that performance centre loud. A very quiet place. You could almost hear the air vents, the air conditioning. Asta was manic and it was a joy to watch. Yeah. And and give Kyrie some love for that too because those two together were just so adorable. I'm still sad we didn't get to see Kyrie on the pirate ship. Shit. It ain't over yet. She can come yeah, back. She's still got the chance. Yeah. Yeah. She's still working for the company. I'm ambassador. Um, so that's, shout out. That's shout out to, what'd you say? That ship hasn't sealed yet. <laughs> shout, by the way, shout out to that uh, David Debris Manifest Destiny. If you know what that means, good on you. We're going to take a quick break real quick, and we're going to come back in our last three and, uh, you know, talk it up with the boys. So give us a minute. We'll be right back. Church Shot Radio. Go buy some shirts. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Hey, Mags, did Tyler show up yet? No, he's not showing up to this. He, honestly, he, it's going to be a running joke, the amount of different excuses he comes up with for, for not rocking up to, to the midweek mainstay. Well, that's fantastic because it's going to be a running joke how much we shit on him on the podcast. <laughs> I mean... Give totally a chance. I'm just impressed We give him a chance Lance... every week to rock up and he doesn't take that chance. I'm just impressed at how Rance remembers to put ad breaks in this show, but we never remember to put in ad breaks in our actual show because we're all too busy running our mouths. But since he's not here and we know he'll never listen, I'm just going to blame Carl. Well, of course. It's always Carl's fault, right? Yeah. Uh, Especially if he's not here. But I can answer that question directly. I've never been told to put ad breaks in our show. I have been instructed Ah. to put ad breaks in this show. So, there you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah. We yeah. hear, uh, we hear on behalf of the Outsiders Edge are just some not corporate shells doing what we're told. <laughs> hey, me, and I do what you want. Um, go ahead, Kyle. Uh, number three, my brother. All right. So number three for me is gonna be 
a real David versus Goliath story. Um, Lita versus China is my uh, number three. Yes, wow. well. Lita versus China. So at this point, this is after China has been kind of relegated to the women's division because A, she got hurt, and then B, um, uh, well, let's just say that Triple H had started dating Stephanie by this point, and things kind of got sour for China. Um, but she's women's champion, and Lita steps up to the plate. You know, China molds through the women's division because, I mean, she's a two-time intercontinental champion. Obviously, she's going to bowl through the women's division. Um, so Lita's like, no, you're going to give me a shot. I can take you. I can beat you. I can do this. I can do this. And Lita had to try a couple of different times. But in the end, she finally overcomes China. And that helps Lita's stock shoot through the fucking roof as more than just the Hardy's valet. Mm-hmm. Grand Pitt. I think I've watched that match recently, actually. I remember enjoying the story. It was good. I mean, a good David Ger- a, a good David versus Goliath is always fun. And this one was so believable because, again, China at this point is two-time intercontinental champion, uh, Royal Rumble match mainstay. Her finishing move against the men was a powerbomb at this point in her career so it's just like against anyone in the women's division she comes across as this like unstoppable force you add on to that that lita had more of a lucha style with yeah. the high flying and all Daredevil. Of that. yeah it was just such a perfect mesh of styles and believability it reminds me of Undertaker and Mysterio at the 2010 Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Same vibes. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump in ahead of Clive again because my... Oh. my well, just fuck, just fuck my order, bro. Huh? Just like, really? <laughs> it's because I'm on the same wavelength as, as Kyle. My, my third pick is China. Uh, but it's not just, again, kind of like the, the Gail Kim one. I'm not limited into just one storyline. It was the whole of 1999. Um, obviously, she was Triple H's valet, but... Uh, she could have been the WWF champion that year yeah. and decided to do Playboy yeah. instead. Well, for, for women's wrestling, 1999 was huge when China got the, the breaks that she got. First woman to enter the Royal Rumble in January... Um, in June, she entered the King of the Ring. She became number one contender. Uh, and th- th- one of the reasons why she didn't actually get the, the title shot that she was due was because Steve Austin didn't want to lose to China, uh, which is Steve, uh, his political best. Uh, wrestling men on a regular basis, beating the likes of um, people like British Bulldog. Winning you know who would have agreed to take the fall, though? And the reason they made it a triple threat match? Mick was like, I'll lay down for Joni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, she eventually won the RC title in the, the good housekeeping match, a match that I had the, the pleasure to have to re-watch recently for an episode of Chain Wrestling. Uh, and whilst the match is god-awfully terrible, 
how important it was for China to be the intercontinental champion, the second uh, highest level. And that was at a time when it meant a lot more than it has done in recent years. Went into a good storyline with Chris Jericho where they spent part of the time as core champions. Um, so, yeah, that whole 1999 for China was was absolutely massive for her and for, for women's wrestling. So that's why it's uh, got my third spot. Can't argue with that at all. She was a very integral figure. Mm-hmm. Well, she was huge. I mean, the Playboy deal was massive. I mean, yeah, it got her in a lot of hot water with uh, some parts of WWE, but they, they soon milked it for all it was worth uh, in terms of storylines. Um, and, yeah, I, I thought that, that China was was such a, a kind of... Uh, Pivotal in the in the change of of how women and women's wrestling were viewed in WWE. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Is it my uh, turn now? Yeah, it's your turn now, buddy. <laughs> I'll try um, not to jump in again. It's it's just because I'm standing up for Tolly, isn't it? Well, you pick your side. I have. Hey, uh, I don't. I'm not trying to go for Tolly, and and but you but you know he's still doing. I'm me and me and Darren both are against Holly right now, but notice he's only skipping one person. Uh huh. It's still it's still not on. We'll have to discuss this off air. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to go for uh, probably an obvious one in Trish and Mickey James. There's so much thing could be said about this one, but Mickey James made quite the name for herself instantly when coming into WWE with the, the stalker angle. I can still remember, probably I wonder why I can still remember these visuals to this day where she gropes Trish in the middle of the ring or she's doing the, you know, the sort of international symbol for Cunnilingus, as it were. Um, it was such a shocking storyline that it was very left field, very out of, out of the box for WWE to do something like that. Just Stratus was a, a household name. She she shook off the, the sort of nasty sex side of things. Now the whole, you know, attitude era, let's just get the tits out and stuff like that. She shook that off. And then she's got Mickey James coming in. Bunny Boiler, single white female stuff. It was really good. And another one that got to WrestleMania in a time where there weren't, apart from maybe the Victoria and Molly Holly where women's storylines weren't getting the platform that they should have been but this one did just because of the, the, the shock of it and the controversy of it all Another great pick For the record, that's my number three as well, so I abstain in my time, tremendous pick tremendous explanation, great match and I think the cool thing to mention is they gave women some big matches but this match got time and it got built up mm-hmm. and it got marquee billing. Yes. A little different. Oh, well, yeah, we can go to you, Kyle. But that's my number three, no, too. Trish no, because that was my number two. Oh, well, look. Wow. You, you want to skip again, Darren? No, uh, I didn't have that on my list, unfortunately. I felt it was very misogynistic and yeah, just uncouth, an uncouth storyline. <laughs> So, uh, going to my number two, 
because I might as well cut in, otherwise we'll be going straight back to, to Clive again. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Ronda Rousey, uh, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch from, from WrestleMania. Um, lover or hater, um, you cannot deny that Ronda Rousey coming into the WWE was huge for women's wrestling. If she wasn't involved, there is no way women's wrestling headlines are WrestleMania. It's as simple and clear as that. Um, the the fact that this was kind of a land with a Becky kind of a coming out of the shadows of of a, a four horsewomen uh, teammates uh, being a massive fan favorite, even though WWE tried their best to turn a heel, and we as fans just told them to get fucked. We're not going against the the last kicker. Uh, we got the the face breaker incident, the Royal Rumble wins, suspensions, uh, but it led to. Uh, the biggest women's wrestling match uh, in the history of the world, headlining the biggest event on the wrestling calendar uh, and really kind of cemented the fact that Becky was not only the the most well-known women's wrestler in the world, she was the face of the biggest wrestling company in town and that she was officially the man. So, yeah, I've got to, I've got to give props to Ronda Rousey, especially with uh, her MMA background, and that's kind of my bread and butter. But, yeah, the whole match and the setup for the, uh, the, Royal, uh, the WrestleMania main event. You missed out the one of the best sort of car crash TV segments that wrestling's ever had with the, the, the brawl backstage where everyone was getting arrested and, car- <laughs> and Becky drives a police car back uh-huh. to the, the stadium. Yeah, it's quality. Oh, and Charlotte hit that big boot on Ronda outside of yeah. the, uh, <laughs> outside yeah, of the right window. Before, right before Becky kicked through the window. <laughs> Which was yeah. uh, put back to the Eurythmic song as well, I believe, online. Oh, after sweet the- dreams of... Yeah, better. Good pick, man. Um, five. Number yeah. two, Number since two. somebody seems to be a habitual line stepper. As is his want, it's his show. It's his show. Oh, uh, it's not quite his show. You his. know, it, it, it's Ray and Mags. It's not <laughs> Mags and Ray. I'm a minor partner. <laughs> Ryan's I'm the Wall Street bets of this team. Mm-hmm. Right. My second favourite pick goes to Charlotte and Sasha from 2016. Good man. Good yep. pick. I really, really think back very fondly to this rivalry. It has its downsides in that Sasha Banks routinely lost the title after successfully winning it on Raw, then losing it to the pay-per-views. And it was a trend that was getting a bit tiresome. It kind of petered out as well. The Iron Woman match that they had was nothing nothing to write home about, but it's specifically the Hell in a Cell match that I want to concentrate on because that was the best heel Charlotte I've ever seen. She was a woman possessed, screaming. Um, like Her voice was cracking. She was that manic and enjoying the damage she caused to Sasha. Uh, when she powerbombed her through the table before the match officially started and she's walking around the ring, following the stretcher out, shouting, na-na-na-na, bye-bye. Just, it was chaos. And those are the, it's, 
you had a wee bit of wonder about how they're going to pull this off for women, Hell in a Cell. But I've come to realise now, as we've discussed, Rance, with the cage matches, whoever is in charge of women's cage matches, whatever the cage is, whether it's a war games or a cage or a cell, they love booking them because there's more room for them to run about, create as much violence as possible with as many weapons as possible. You were really rooting for Sasha to win that one because of the whole thing where she wasn't winning them on pay-per-view. And Charlotte was just being such a bitch throughout that time that you naturally gravitated towards Sasha winning. It was when Sasha was... You would you were surprised at how good she was at being a, an underdog babyface considering how good she was as a heel in 2015. And just aside from the sort of botched ending with the table, I mean, what can you do about the table, table spot? It's a memory, the match is a memory I will store for a long, long time as just a top-notch Hell in a Cell match, which Hell in a, um, which main event of the pay-per-view as well, should be said. They were the first to main event a lot of different major pay-per-views and shows. Really? So, yeah, give them credit for that. Um, and, yes, Charlotte Sasha kind of gets... I think forgotten by the wayside because of so many other great feuds that both of those women have been in since. And um, I'm about to speak of one of those now. My number two is kind of piggybacking off of Mags's number two is Becky Lynch's um, ascent to becoming the man. Um, that entire story, if we take that story from um, SummerSlam in the triple threat with her and Charlotte and Carmella, and Charlotte winning when Becky was about to win, and then Becky going the fuck off. Becky t- essentially turning heel, cutting a heel promo, then the fans not letting her turn, and just becoming the hottest shit on TV, Nia breaking her face, becoming the hottest thing in the business. In fact, not even the business, the hottest thing damn near in pop culture. Um, And, you know, and then... um. Everything that that happened after that, the uh, winning the winning the title, the feud with Charlotte, main eventing Evolution in one of the best women's matches you'll ever see. Um, such it's just an amazing list of stories. Um, the the story with her and Oscar, which is one of the most beautifully told stories that is like on a lower level than like top level, in that she just couldn't beat her. Um, winning that damn Royal Rumble in the way she did, which still pisses me off, but is great shit to watch. Um, and then, yeah, you know, doing the one thing, the one thing women had never done and nobody thought women would ever do, and they did it. Yes, because of Ronda. Yes, because of the platform. It's kind of like, have you ever heard the Jay-Z remix of, uh, well, clearly you two have, <laughs> some of y'all haven't. The Jay-Z remix of, um, my president's black. Jay Z says, blue. Yeah, "There I you go." If my rims ain't too, uh, Jay Z says, "Martin Luther walked so Rosa Parks sat so Martin Luther could walk. Martin Luther walked so Barack Obama could run." Right? Ronda Rousey showed up and she sat so Charlotte could walk and t- and like build the foundation. And Becky ran through and smashed that motherfucker down. And um, you know, we kind of forget 
the level Becky was on because, you know, she's not the man anymore. She's the mom. But, you know, in this in this space right now where idiots on Twitter are talking about how there's no stars, WWE doesn't make stars, Bitch, mm-hmm. Becky was the one of the biggest stars in the planet, not just wrestling. So, um, yeah, shout out to Becky Lynch, the man. Uh, yeah, that's my number two. As an aside, did you know that, speaking of making stars, uh, Lana is in a film with Bruce Willis soon? So, Good you know... Bruce Willis, I guess? You, <laughs> so, you know, Lana is a trained actress. Lana's been in many movies. Lana's in all of the Pitch Perfects. Is she? Yeah. Lana is a trained... Have you ever seen Snakes on the Plane? No. Has anybody in this call seen Snakes on the Plane? You remember the scene snake I mean, I saw it many years ago, but yes, I have seen yeah, it. Yeah, a long, long time ago. <laughs> you remember the point at the beginning when uh, there, there's a girl and a guy in the bathroom having sex and doing coke, and her tits are out, and the and the snake comes down and bites her on her tit. <laughs> <laughs> that's Lana. That's that's Lana. So there you go. Sounds like a film I'll need to see. That's your homework for... for, Yeah, I'm going to say that's your homework for this week, Clav. Just watch that scene over and over again. You know, I've just thought of a a 19th podcast you can add to your list. You could review all the WWE Studios films. No. Like The Marine and uh, Countdown. The Marine 6. The Marine 7. (laughs) The Marine 3D, yep. Well, I mean, Space Force. (laughs) So, just to kind of get us back on topic, obviously the best women's storyline of all time was Tori Wilson versus Stacey Keebler, right? Like, obviously. Um, No, no, no. Kidding aside. My actual number one was Becky versus Ronda um, and that whole thing. So, for the sake of talking about a different feud... I want to talk about Bailey versus Sasha Banks, like <laughs> the original arc of Bailey versus Sasha Banks, um, and like just Andrew... just to let you know that that's my number one. Oh Basically. well, then never mind. I'll let you talk about it. And that's no, 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 no. Oh, you wax lyrical, my friend. You wax lyrical. Well, no, I just love the whole the whole origin of it. You know, fangirl Bailey is too like awestruck for the big one, and you've got. Sasha is just this badass boss, uh, badass literal boss heel who's just like, I'm too good for all of these bitches. None of you can step to me. And they go into Brooklyn as what was supposed to be a good match and end up having like the greatest women's match up to that point, probably ever. And debatably still probably the greatest women's match ever. Um, to the point that they get to have an Iron Woman match to main event the next pay-per-view um and the storytelling in the iron woman match with the callbacks to the brooklyn match and the stepping on the foot and or stepping on the hand and just like so fucking good and then to call that back all these years later with bailey turning the tables and double crossing (laughs) sasha this time like oh yeah it's if if people complain about WWE not being able to do 
long-term storyline booking, this is proof that they can. This is nearly 10 years Thank of the storyline still going. Um, Bailey was meant to join Sasha's faction, uh, was it the, the BFFs? Yeah. Uh, when she was... Uh, she was beat down by Charlotte. Then they had the match at Brooklyn where all four of the horsewomen like, uh, got, got together and, and hugged it out after the match. The Iron Woman match, which is um, absolutely amazing. Coming on to the main roster, I think Bailey debuted as uh, Sasha Banks' partner at, at Battleground. Um, Sasha helped Bailey win her first ever title. Then we had a breakup at Elimination Chamber 2018. Um the Boston Hug connection, the the women's tag uh, titles being the first ever winners of that, splitting the the, the golden role models, barely two belts, two belts, banks. Yeah, this has been an absolutely amazing storyline, and it's something that you know that they can go back to over and over again, and it will never get tired because they've got such good history together. Uh, so yeah, it, it was man one as well. Mm-hmm. The, there's nothing else that really to add to this for, apart from two points because it's my first as well. I was considering Tory Wilson as well, Kyle, but I was going to go for Don Marie. Don Marie. Oh, Had yeah, Don, Don Marie. Marie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, like the two things to take away from it is specifically the hype video for the Respect Takeover that they had. Mm-hmm. That is the only time that wrestling has brought me to tears. The only time. Uh, where it detailed the Brooklyn match leading into the Iron Women match. And the second Kyle mentioned the callbacks, it was a callback specifically where at Brooklyn, Sasha was stamping on the hand and then at the Hell in a Cell, she's stamping on the neck with the chair because Sasha had her neck injured this time. That was just a total chef's kiss moment. So like Max was saying, People like to say WWE don't do long-term storytelling. Sometimes they do, and it's just too long. But this one, I will maintain to my last breath that this has been, if not Vince's, then Sasha and Bailey's plan all along. And it's been a joyous journey. All the stops and starts, Sasha going away, um, the the, the um, therapist, what was his name again? Doctor like Dr. Shelby? Shelby, yep. This is the closest. Well, speaking of Dr. Shelby, this is really like the closest they've gotten to a re like a newer version of Kane and the Undertaker. Like, we can be enemies, we can be best friends, we can be enemies, we can be best friends, all at the same time, always, because I love you, but I hate you. Mm -hmm. Can I go deeper into that real quick? Can I go deeper into that? Please. Because what you're saying is makes perfect sense, but I want to explain why it is that those two these those two groupings make sense. The character of the Undertaker is not able to be told like the character of Kane, and vice versa. They are so integral to each other as characters that whenever they're in each other's space, it's understood I either gotta fight him or I gotta team with him. And that is Bailey and Sasha. The the story of Bailey cannot be told without Sasha Banks. It can be told without Charlotte. It can be told without Becky. You're going to miss some stuff, but it can be. But it cannot be told without uh, without Sasha Banks and then vice versa. So I just wanted to kind of point that out to a lot of listeners because that's a great point. This is very similar to Kane and Undertaker. And also, I give it back to you, Clive, but Ding Dong, 
this is my number one as well. <laughs> I love the the uh, the kind of link to Undertaker and, and Kane, but I think you can even take it probably one step further because the thing with Undertaker and Kane is they've always been at the level that they're at. They've always been big stars straight away. Um, Bailey and, 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 and Sasha... Have, br- have dragged each other up. They've come from from yes. developmental all the way to main roster, basically side by side. So I the, think they're more the like the the Rock and Austin, where they've they've met each other at all these different levels, at all these different periods of the t- uh, of their careers, challenging for the same titles over and over again. You know, bigger match and bigger match and bigger match. So I've, I've I have always I don't know I've always been willing to die on this hill and i know it's an unpopular hill the story of rock is more integral with triple h to mm-hmm. me than yeah. it is to steve austin like and and i know rock and austin the trilogy is obviously the biggest thing in the history of like the business pretty much but yes. i cannot think of yeah. the story of the rock or triple h without the other person so then adding to that you obviously have uh, uh, Charlotte and Becky as, as the four horsewomen who've always been uh, inter, intermingling storylines. Chuck Vince McMahon in, in there. Vince McMahon, Triple H, Rock and Austin. That's your four horsewomen. Okay. Yeah, the goal. Who, who's Vince? Vince Charlotte. Is, Charlotte? Yeah. Yeah. Vince is Charlotte because Becky's Austin. And so, you know, Sasha is the rock and Bailey is Triple H. She's the solid hand who's good at everything yep. and is always like capable of whatever you ask her to do. And will quietly win more titles than all the rest of them. Ah, yes. Karen of the year 2020 as well. <laughs> Did you see that she uh, had call? Um, shaved into her hair for, for Royal Rumble. Oh, right. Bailey versus Michael Cole is one of my favorite rivalries, and I love that they take yeah. advantage of the fact that it's the Thunderdome. So, like, I can hear everything you say about me, you little piece of shit. Love it. I'll... All right. Um, yeah, top five, man. Um, one thing that I really try to get across on any platform I'm on is to appreciate the women in much more regular and 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 elevated states because my god right in in the year of 2020 in the year of covid women's wrestling saved wrestling mm-hmm. it definitely mm-hmm. saved the wwe yeah mm-hmm. um and it didn't just start this year they've had great women's wrestling forever you know um i know we don't fuck with moolah like that but you can go back to people of of her ilk and may young Dark Journey and Missy Hyatt out there managing everybody they could in the Southeast. Yeah, like it is like, you know, the Jumping Bomb Angels, Asia Kong. Rocky Robin, Alundra Blaze. She went she went fucking crazy, but sunny. She went fucking crazy, but sunny. Uh, Sensational Sherry. Miss Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. Uh, Miss Elizabeth. The second biggest biggest star in the whole Hogan era was Miss Elizabeth. Sensational Sherry. Uh, so yeah, man, I just want to give some love to, to the women. I appreciate Kyle for bringing the idea to my mind. And, um, I mean, we enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. And, uh, 
I can't say that I was right because we all were because we all had the same number one. So, but you I know. mean, you know, women's wrestling is the good shit. And that is why that is why the only thing that the AEW stands get right is holding their feet to the fire about AEW's lack of a quality women's division and how it's bullshit. And I'm sorry, you can miss me with the but what about dark? You can miss me with that. No disrespect to dark. I'm not trying to disrespect that. I'm not trying to disrespect the people that are on it, but it doesn't count. That is not a televised show and you're not furthering storylines there. But by, by the way, so speaking of women, WWE has just signed a woman out of Houston um, that wrestled, that was trained trained by and wrestled for Booker T. Her name is AQA. When y'all see her, y'all see her wrestle, you're going to fall in love with her instantly. But it really hits me kind of in a special way because she was just a college chick from Alabama that drove to Texas to do Booker T does fantasy camps where you come to his, to his gym for a day. And you you train, and you learn basic stuff: lock up, hammer lock, wrist lock, stuff like that. And then, like, and then if you if you're good enough, he'll one per he'll sign one person uh, on scholarship. The rest, but everybody else, if you want to sign to be paid, I did that because when I was still uh, under the the idea that I could still do this, um, I did that and was about to sign up, but of course my body failed me. It is what it is. So just the feeling of seeing her get signed really brings joy to my, my heart because that, I don't want to say it could have been me, but I walked that same path. And she's fantastic. A lot of women in Booker T's company are killing. Hyann is all over the world. Alex Gracia has been on Dark, as you said. So, man, look, shout out to the women of reality of wrestling, the Diamonds, um, and women's wrestling in general. Just keep watching, keep enjoying. Um, I know so many personal friends of mine who didn't give a shit about women's wrestling that now love it um, because it's not women's wrestling. It's just fucking wrestling. I would uh, be more than happy with Evolution 2 as well. Absolutely. Give it to me. Give me what I want. Please. <laughs> give me what I want, yeah. Um, yes. I appreciate you, gents. Max, what else we doing? Oh, what now? Are we doing it now? Or are we doing it next week now? I don't know. I was just trying to get you to say something funny. I'm never funny. I don't think I've ever been funny in my life. I'm, um, for the record, neither oh. has Clive. That doesn't stop him from cracking down. Ah. <laughs> I stayed up past midnight for this. Come on. <laughs> for the record, let me say. I get. I threw you a softball earlier today, Mags, uh, to fuck with me about Jay White, and you haven't all day, and I'm disappointed. Yeah, because the last time you got grief about something that you said, you you got sacked from a podcast. So I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to go down that aisle. I thought I let him stew about this because I know he was a uh, he was salty AF. <laughs> but did you see his comeback uh, promo? I didn't see the promo, but I did see the segment that he came back, and he's been tweeting like crazy. But let me say this. Jay, I I get it. You're probably still under contract. I don't think you re-signed. But did you have to come back the same fucking night as a Rumble, bro? Like, you couldn't give it a day? You couldn't give me a day. You came back the same night. Gotta work the carny, man. Yeah, working you. Gotta work the carny. Mm -hmm. 
Hashtag Put carny it. journalism, which you can catch on the outsider's edge. <laughs> well, yeah, go ahead, boys. Tell them where you can tell them where they can find you. Um, yeah, you can find me on the outsider's edge with brother Rance and brother Carl, where we'll hit you with that good shit. Um, or at least that shit you need to hear. Um, you can also find me on the Twitters at Dr. S'mores. Um, but also make sure you listen to my good brother Clive, and he's got lots of awesome plugs for you. Oh, I've got a plug close to someone on here's heart tonight, let me tell you. But before we do that, I am one half of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, which is on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter. Um, I also write columns for WrestlingHeadlines.com. And, oh, what day is it? It's Thursday. And that's right. Um, there's going to be some literature on Wrestling Headlines tomorrow featuring my bi-monthly. Is that the right term if it's every two months? Bi-monthly? Yeah, bi-monthly. Yeah, bi-monthly applies. Um, my bi-monthly debate sparring partner, Rance Morris, for another edition of the Wrestling Extension... Uh, oh, what's it called? Brand Extension Wrestling Debate Club. Yes. <gasps> Me? You, you, yes. Oh my I goodness. mean, Rance is all right, but the person that I need to shout out because you brought him up and I need him to know how much I love him. Hi, Ricky. I love you. Hello, Ricky. Spoke to you a wee while ago. Hello again. <laughs> he's not listening to this. Of course he's no, not. not at all. So not at all. Him, I love him every time I get a chance. <laughs> who, who listens to more podcasts we do, Ricky or Carl? Well, Ricky, because I can, I can imagine that Ricky might one time uh, every now and then maybe listen to something. Carl ain't listening to a damn thing. <laughs> Go ahead, finish your plugs, bro. I'm sorry. That was it. Just Social Suplex uh, Podcast Network. You can find us on there along with many, many other shows. I'll, you can find out what they are on the Social Suplex stuff. <laughs> At See, Social Suplex, you can find that. Yes, thank donate, you. Donate to that man. And also, get yourself a Rick and Clive t-shirt. I donate. Do I do that and, stuff and on, show, on our show. I don't want to take up too much time on here, hooring myself out. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> get your money. Um, Hey, donate to that man, too, because he's trying to fulfill his goal of being a house husband. And I want to see him achieve it. No, don't, more like donate to him because like we're trying to get him to come out here to go to a WrestleMania with us, and like that's gonna have to be crowdsourced. Oh, he's got no choice because I'm going to. I'm literally, I'm literally going to kidnap you. What I would really need donations f- towards as uh, my recently broken spare pair of headphone microphone combo, which uh, a certain beautiful member of the family broke. Burn it down. <laughs> so, uh, thanks, thanks for the future headphones for when I'm doing because I've I've still got my whole podcast studio set up just now. All the, um, what are they called? The fancy microphone cables, XLR, XLR, cables. XLRs, and all that. Whereas when I'm on a guesting on a show, I usually just have a USB mic plugged in, but it's broken tonight, so. Uh, please, please just give me some hardware, please. <laughs> so, I mean, to fund that, you could do what I did and and purchase his, uh, the some books from his uh, amazing um, author of of a of a missus, uh, and I've got feedback on those books. Uh, 
um, they are bang on. They're really, really interesting, really good stories. So yeah, definitely buy some uh, some literature from uh, from Mrs. Clavert. I'm sure uh, links can be put in the description. Yeah, uh, that's at Mrs. Clavert. No, it's, uh, <laughs> you should have so her change that to that. I, you try that. You try that and see what happens. Hey, it's she it. likes me though, so she I does. might be able to get her to do it. <laughs> shonakinsella.com for all your sci-fi slash fantasy needs. Thank you for that plug, Darren. It's my pleasure. So for my plugs, follow me on Twitter at DAJKurtBear. I'll have links to all my many, many, many hours of content where I am a, a huge fish. And off to you, Rant. Oh, bullshit. So Kyle plugged everything he's involved. We plug, we plug Clive's wife. You got 17 and a half shows. You got enough shows to fill out a whole damn day. And you're going to be the... like, yeah, I'm DJ Kirkby. I'll let me. What? Please don't say you plugged my wife. Like, Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Please. Oh, my most, my, my <laughs> sincerest apologies. <laughs> my sincerest apologies. <laughs> Where I live, a plug is something totally different. So... Oh boy! Wow! My wow! My bad, bad about that. Um, yeah, man. Badlands on uh, Chairshot Radio. Um, five rounds on Chairshot Anywhere, Radio. Anyone who's got a network in podcasting, I will be on a podcast on that network. So there. Since I mean, we I can count- try and round through them. Do you want me to try and round through the podcast I'm involved with? And I'll well, we'll hold, on, hold, on, hold 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 on. Before you do anything, I want to shout out your son, because that kid Carlos is killing the game right now. Mm-hmm. And I, since we're shouting out family, I want to shout out Carlos Kirkby at Kirkby underscore Carlos. He's killing the game right now, not only as MMA fighter, but as uh, the next Ariel Helwani, basically, because he, you know, the Five Rounds podcast, he's out here getting all the scoops and interviews. Shout yeah. out to shout out to that man. Good stuff. He's, do, he's doing gangbusters, absolute gangbusters. Uh, really, really proud of him. Um, so, yeah, I'm on Five Rounds. Uh, I'm on Chain Wrestling, Talk at the Table, Badlands, this. I'm sure I'm missing some out. What else am I on? I'm on other stuff. Yeah, I've said Chain Wrestling. That's with Simon. Oh, uh, seven. Every month I'm with um, uh, James, uh, UTT, Rob, uh, uh, Dan Griffin and Paul Tully where we go back and look at old WWE pay-per-views. So, yeah, I'm everywhere. I am everywhere. If you've ever listened to a podcast, I'm on that podcast. I've been everywhere, man. (laughs) Can I I just read out a really humorous tweet that I just saw from Bad? As long as it's not from Sidgwick or Tito, yes. This is from Bad News Brown, the Chief Rocker. It's the biggest thing that irks me of Tony Khan's McMemphis homage is him wearing medium shirts and always trying to flex his arms to look bigger. If you want to be jacked, take your vitamins and clang bang in the gym. He is extra <laughs> medium. That is true. He is extra medium. Do you even lift, bro? No, I don't. Uh, um, the only thing I'm I lift at... are the D. Look, we don't want. Do you want to tell that story on air? I don't think we need. No, to do that. I don't want to tell that story on air. <laughs> I mean, that's I a family story. It's it's uh, it was I a family story. In more ways than one. 
You can uh, find your boy at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Of course, uh, Chair Shot Radio, uh, the Chair Shot, uh, you can find Always us Always at... use your head. Well, that's the, that's our end thing, but thank you. That's, 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 I'll let Mag say something. You know how the New Age Outlaws have their thing and like Billy's like, I want to say something. So he's like, you say, if you got two words for it. That's what I let Max. I let Max have his little moment by saying, "I always use your head." <laughs> You're so generous. <laughs> um, at Share Shot Media, of course. Um, yeah. So every week, coming, coming, there's something every day on Share Shot Radio every morning at eight o'clock. Um, yours truly and Mags, we have every Thursday. We appreciate you listening. Um, yeah, follow everybody else. I'm gonna have to get you on Sundays with the. Uh, P.O.D. and Dave, Kyle, because they, they apparently they talk hockey every Sunday. I know they talk hockey every Sunday because I actually listen to that show because I actually love hockey. Yeah, so, I'll you know, I'll, I'll make the connect. Um, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Um, yeah, we appreciate you. And even though Kyle already stole the ending, hey, Darren, what do we want to tell everybody to do? Always use your head. Don't act like it's a question. (laughs) Good night, everybody.